Welcome to the Special Needs Navigator podcast, hosted by Eric Jorgensen. As a widowed father of an adult son with several challenges, primarily autism, Eric has and continues to walk the path many of you are on now. This podcast will introduce and explain resources and services that may assist in your journey. The views and opinions of our guests are their own and do not necessarily represent those of Eric Jorgensen or Special Needs Navigator. Hello, today I have with us Dr. Tara Regan. She is the founder and executive director of Autism Grown Up, a nonprofit based in North Carolina, but serving families all over the country. And today, Tara is going to share with us a little bit about herself, what brought Autism Grown Up into being, what she wants to accomplish, who she serves, how the programs work, how you can get involved with the program, how you can connect with Autism Grown Up. And finally, Autism Grown Up is a nonprofit, and they are only to stay in business and provide the programs for families as long as people like you are supporting them. So we're going to make sure you understand how to support them. So without any further ado, let's talk about Tara. Tara, how are you? Hey, doing well. How about yourself, Eric? Doing well. Would you mind giving us a little bit of background about you and what led Mm -hmm. you into this and your journey? Yeah, absolutely. So long story short, (laughs) I have a lot of different experiences related to autism specifically. First being, personally, I have two brothers on the spectrum, Tyler and Tanner. Tyler's 28 right now. And then Tanner's 20. I think it's tough to keep track of all of our ages because we also have a sister in the mix there too. So there's four of us kids. Uh, yeah, and I'm the oldest. So I was very involved, still am, in like a caregiving, caretaking role with my brothers growing up. And right now I also do some respite and community living supports with my brothers because they got off the Medicaid waiver wait list after almost 10 years. We're based here. I know it's a win and the timing couldn't have been better because I was looking for uh, what would be my next steps after finishing my PhD. And uh, idea that I had for autism growing up was essentially born from us realizing like adulthood doesn't really stop the need for resources. I started this autism growing up from a blog, from the space of wanting to combine my research, did my PhD in special education at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and worked on a variety of projects focusing on preparing teens on the autism spectrum for adulthood. So we worked with them for two years across 60 different schools here in North Carolina. And I got to go out and support teachers and training them on evidence-based practices with the teens, uh, focus on self-advocacy and some social skills here and there, and academics, um, mainly reading comprehension. And uh, once that project was kind of wrapping up, um, we did a lot of resource sharing as well. And I thought that was really exciting. I love that. And parents, teachers, the students themselves really love the resources too. That's really where I was like, okay, maybe this blog and this resource center can be a place where everyone can have access to this information, not just the families who were in the study and now the study's over. So they don't really have anything from there. Uh, That's one of the main limits about research. I love research and I still do a lot of things involved in it. I love reading articles, those lengthy articles even, about uh, intervention studies and autism. But I want to put those to practice. So that's where this blog came out of 
trying things with my brothers, seeing what's out there. And so it grew into a nonprofit resource center, essentially. And so that's really what I do today. Still, we create a lot of resources, free and paid. We have a library card where people can access all of our free resources at once. And then we have a shop path where people can access our paid resources and templates for things like social stories, uh, a resource guide, a resource directory in your community, and other different social skills support groups types of things right now. And we're continually building that out over time. So it sounds like you really have lived it firsthand. You mentioned Tanner and Tyler. They're both over Mm -hmm. the age of 18. They've both been through that proverbial cliff, right, that drops off with the services. You've seen that firsthand. You mentioned I think it was Tanner that has the waiver now. You waited long enough to get the DD waiver and the, or the innovations waiver is what I think it's called in North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, th- I think that that just goes to show you're not just somebody who thinks this may be a good idea. You've lived it. You can see what benefit it'll come to families. The programs that you have, you mentioned you have free ones and paid ones. Are they all pretty easy to navigate on the website? You just go to the website and you find them and and, and that's where you, you go? Not at all. I try to make it as accessible as possible because I know time is of the essence. You don't want to go searching everywhere. And if I've been there, I still do that sometimes when I'm putting things together for individuals who reach out to me and they're like, can you put together a resource guide for us in our community? Or we do have like this one-off service called the Roadmap Creator where we work with an individual and a family on linking them locally in the community based on their goals and help with goal setting, those types of things. But the website itself, based on feedback and also just continual shaping over time is incredibly accessible, really easy to navigate. You just go to autismgrownup.com and you can see it all on the top menu there and access everything really, really easily. And to give a taste for what was some of the things, I mean, we touched on it already, but I want, I want to do a little bit deeper dive. When should families think about reaching out and connecting with autism growing up? When should they be saying, you know what, I know I need this, or I don't know what I don't know, or, or what's the trigger for them to say, I'm going to go check out autism growing up? Usually the trigger looks like maybe your teen is like 14, 15 years old. More often, 17, 18, about to graduate from high school or 2021 20, if they're like exiting high school services. So that's really like top of mind because a parent or caregiver is so involved in the day to day that they're like, oh, wait, the school doesn't have anything next year. So what am I supposed to do next? I encourage families as much as possible to think about this as early as possible, like even in elementary school and maybe beforehand too, to be thinking about what are some things you can be doing right away at home and then passing along to teachers at school and other caregivers or service providers involved, uh, just supporting independence, self-advocacy, and other important skills that are really, really critical to adulthood. And of course, applying for services like the Medicaid waiver, those wait lists are very, very long. And then it doesn't necessarily have to just be the parents, because as you said, the parents are often very busy. They have a lot of other things. So maybe like in your case, you're a much older sibling. Um, You said you're one of four. So if you have older siblings that are maybe already out of school, or if you have aunts, uncles, grandparents who are interested in helping, but they're not really sure how to help a family, they can go to your website and maybe not inundate the parents with everything, but really based on what the parents seem to be dealing with, right? 
Exactly. We do see more so parents, but I've been seeing more grandparents and other sisters like me, other brothers and other family members who are just curious about that process. And they're like thinking ahead themselves of like, oh, I may end up being a guardian or have to be a really critical uh, member of the family support network in the future. Um, I also encourage parents and families as well as individuals on the spectrum themselves to think about building out their support network, thinking of who their allies are in the day-to-day types of things, as well as navigating the community. So those people who are seeking out that information can also get that on our website too and help just support the parent at home or give that chance of respite and support in the community too. I mean, to me, it seems like a really great tool for especially the families, whether they're doing guardianship or support decision making. Either way, I mean, you said it, the allies, another way to look at it would be your team or or whoever, right? I mean, you're all working for the same goal of helping this individual be successful. Exactly. And even launching off of the allies type of thing, there could be even peers involved in like the school setting or well, now outside of school with COVID and everything, but there's still like virtual lunch munches and virtual social meetups that could happen where a peer could be supported to become an ally too. Awesome. So as I mentioned, you are a nonprofit and you rely heavily on donations and grants, right? Yes. So if somebody were to donate, what are some of the things that you really want people to know about you and how to find you and how to contribute? So appreciate this question. Thank you. Because we're a baby nonprofit. We're still relatively new as well as less than a year old. And so that makes it really tough with some grant mechanisms. Grant funding mechanisms prefer you to have a longer timeline to show the strength and effectiveness of your programming. So we do pretty much rely on donations. And we have a neat donate button on our website. And then we also have information linked with Give Wisely and some other programs. I think Beneficity, I think, is one of them where it's like a job matching type of thing where if you donate, your job will match it. Uh, But Give Lively, we're linked with them. And thankfully, everything that they do is free. So they don't do any transaction fees or taxes or anything like that. So that helps us entirely. And we have different levels to show how much you're contributing is actually really showing the effects and change. That's one of the benefits, too, I think, of being a small nonprofit like this is being able to see your money actually go right into action, into our resources and scholarships and those types of things. Yeah, scholarships to even like our programming, continuing the library card, but also the shop pass, being able to give those out to families and teachers could be really critical to them being able to put those into action and make things happen. And I want to stress that you are a new nonprofit. So if people are looking for you in GuideStar or any of these other nonprofit grading materials, don't judge too harshly if you're not ranked very high because there's not a huge history yet, right? Exactly. We don't have the history of like Autism Society of America quite yet or even Autism Speaks to be able to show all of that. But we are so transparent as much as we can be at this moment. Awesome. So is there anything I should have asked you, Tara, that I haven't yet? Is there anything you want to make sure we bring up? Hmm. Um, I I think we covered some of the major areas I often get questions about, which is like, what are the things I should be thinking about as my child grows up, whether I am the parent or I am a teen on the spectrum or adult on the spectrum who's like looking through things online? 
where should we start? And I think I covered that a little bit, but I do want to emphasize the importance of thinking about uh, independence across a wide variety of skills or interdependence, learning how to ask for help from others and being able to work together to do a skill. Like maybe not every day you will be able to clean your entire house all in one full swoop. Uh, we have some resources and conversations about that, just about the realities especially today when our routines have changed significantly and continue to do so with additional stressors with uh, everything going on. Uh, We're shifting the conversation around independence that way. But we also want to talk about the importance of self-advocacy and ensuring that the individual on the spectrum has as much choice and opportunity to make their own decisions as much as possible. That's really, really linked with success in adulthood, whatever that means to that individual. And that's all in the the spirit of self-advocacy. And I agree with that a lot, Tara. I I mean, I'm big on making sure parents start giving their children the ability to self-advocate as young as possible. Even if it's just choosing, here's two shirts. Do you want this one or this one? Maybe don't give them the option of the closet, but teach them to start making choices. Exactly. Even the closet could be overwhelming on its own, too. Or there may not be clothes that are appropriate for the weather. Like that helps too, because I know my brothers will never choose clothing appropriate for the weather. They'll always wear shorts every single day if they have the chance to. Um, But yeah, exactly. Giving choices a couple here and there based on those ways that they can express themselves, like clothing, food especially can be helpful and routines across the course of the day. Like maybe they don't need to always do this specific thing. Every morning, maybe they can make the decision of like, oh, maybe I prefer to brush my teeth after breakfast instead or something like that. Just little things, too, really can help. No, absolutely. I agree. I found the same thing with my son and just trying to get him, you know, interrupt his routine a little bit just so when big interruptions happen, it's not... I mean, it still sucks. I don't like getting my routine disrupted, but... (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) So this is awesome. So if people want to learn more about you, they can go to your website, right? And you're also on LinkedIn. Are you on Facebook? Yeah, we're on Facebook. We're on all the social media platforms. So if you want to check us out on Instagram or Twitter as well, we are in both of those spots. And we kind of have some videos on YouTube too, but just a couple. Okay. And then for Instagram, it'd be a hashtag or the at sign for Instagram? Oh, good question. Yeah. So it would be the at sign at Autism Grown Up and you can find us there too. And then same thing with Twitter, right? Yeah. I think we're at High Autism Grown Up. Somebody already had it. <laughs> That's the thing. Awesome. Well, Tara, thank you very much for, for making the time to talk to us today. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. This is so fun. If you'd like to know more about Autism Grown Up, please visit their website, autismgrownup.com. From there, you'll be able to access the resources Tara mentioned. And while you're there, check out her podcast where she shares tips for families whose loved ones are on the spectrum. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Special Needs Navigator podcast. We invite your feedback and comments. Please leave a review wherever you're listening and hit like, follow, and share to help spread the word. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. For show notes, information about our guests, and more information about Special Needs Navigator, please visit www.specialneedsnavigator.us.